Why you guys never see? All right. What's up? My name's Mark. I'm glad that you were here in person. What's up online? I see you over there. Hey, so um, have you ever been in a car? I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with really other than just, have you been in a car and like a song comes on that you just love, right? You know? And like the person beside you thinks you're crazy or whatever because, you know, you're just going at it. You're just singing, like going crazy. Does everyone worship, you know, like you're singing? I don't know. Especially if you're online, I'm just thinking about you sometimes. Man, you're at home. It's so nice to be together, right? And worship and like, but you can do this at home. And you could be in your car, you could be anywhere and worship. Like, because the words, man, if those words are true, then we can worship anywhere. Man, his name is above all other names. His name is the only name that can save, and he's worth it all. I mean, it's crazy. That's who he is, man. And so, I don't know, I just, I was excited about worshiping, so it's nice to be with you. And whatever your spiritual or religious background or non-spiritual, non-religious background, I'm really glad that you are here. One of the things that we encourage you, no matter what, whether you're, you know, first time ever, never heard about Jesus before, or if you've been a Christian for uh, all your life, man, you got to take next steps, dude. Like, this is a spiritual journey. Paul, even in, the, in Scripture, in the New Testament, he said, not that I've already obtained, but that, I've, that to which I'm striving toward. Like, we've got to be growing in our faith. You got to keep taking next steps in your faith. And so if you're not, that means you're getting stagnant. And that's not what Christ wants for you. His way is better. And the more that you grow closer to him, the more that you will experience that. So I hope that you feel comfortable enough to start taking or continue taking your next steps in your spiritual journey here and experiencing some community with other people as well because you don't have to do this alone. And I really believe, we really believe life is better together. Really do. And if those words that we sang are true, then what we're talking about today matters, man, it matters. Ben did a great job telling you we're in a new series. We're starting, uh, we're going to go through Acts chapter 17 and 18. Acts is a letter that, or book that tells us all about the early church, not all about, but a lot about the early church and the early Christians. What it looked like, it's powerful. And 17 and 18, uh, it's going to I think it's going to challenge you. As a matter of fact, it should challenge you. No matter where you are, it should challenge you. Over the next month, we should all be, man, challenged, maybe even convicted probably. Because God has something for each one of us. And I want to start by asking you this question, okay? And just, just a random, simple question. Like, how many of you have already kind of made some plans for 2022? Anybody made plans? Vacation plans? Uh, sporting events plans? Classes? Sports? Summer plans? I know Michiganders, right? You just get, here it's weird. Like if it gets 40 degrees, you're like, woohoo! You know, it's like the greatest world ever, man. Woo, 40 is still cold to me. But anyways, whatever. Like you're thinking about the future, right? And you're making plans. Maybe you're gonna go to a concert. Maybe you're gonna go to like the Red Wings. They're awesome this year, right? I have no clue. Don't follow hockey, so I'm just taking a guess. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they're bad. Apparently they're bad because nobody said yes. So <laughs> sorry about that. So either way, you like to go do things. And no matter when you make plans to go do something, duh, you have to make plans, right? You have to think about it. You have to plan it. Somewhat organize it. If you have kids, you got to get childcare, you know, whatever, all these things. And then you have to invest time and resources into it, right? So all of us are making plans, duh, normal, what we do every year. Let me ask you a question. This is really going to set us up for this entire series. Have you made plans to grow in your spiritual life this year? Have you made plans? Well, no, God does that. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Have you made plans to grow? Have you made plans to take your next steps this year, to grow in your faith? Have you made plans to share the gospel with someone this year? Well, well no. I mean, that's like, I can't make plans to share the gospel because, I mean, that Jesus does that, right? He just shows up people in my life and says, boom, and then the words come out of my mouth, and I didn't even know it happened, right? That's how it, no, that's not how it works, maybe. Have you made plans? The early church, what we're going to see is that they made plans. They were serious about this whole disciple of Jesus thing. And they were told to be disciples that make disciples, and that's exactly what they did. And they made plans to go share the faith, their faith, the gospel with other people. They invested time and resources to go share the gospel with other people. Um, they prayed like crazy for the opportunity and for people that they had never met before. They prepared themselves to know what the word says, to what Jesus says, so that they can share it with others. Um, they went and shared it with others. Some went to different parts of the world. <clears throat> and that's sometimes what we think of missionary, right? People who go to other parts of the world. 
Some of you, I really do believe, some of you, God's probably calling you to go somewhere. To go somewhere other than Michigan. You need to go. Be obedient to Jesus. Go. And share, go. Be a missionary to other parts of this country and other parts of this world. But every single one of us has been called to be a missionary wherever you go. We're all missionaries. That's why this matters. It's not just for those elect few something. It's every single one of us. Jesus said to go make disciples and make disciples. Simple as that. So, 11 months from now, we're going to look back on 2022. You're going to have experienced all kinds of things. You're going to have done all kinds of things, accomplished all kinds of things. Will you look back on 2022 and, and we have grown? Will you have been obedient to Jesus and shared the gospel with someone? It's not going to just happen, man. Don't wait for a lightning bolt moment. Let's do our part. That's what we're going to learn. So we're going to be challenged and convicted in these next two chapters in Acts. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I would love for you to open it up to chapter 17. That's kind of where we're going to pick up. Um, we're about A.D. 49. Uh, Acts is the fifth letter book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, boom, Acts. There it is. Um, A.D. 49, so about 20 years, less than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, here's a map to kind of show you a little bit about the region that we're talking about. This is the uh, Mediterranean Sea region, Asia, where that is. That's modern-day Turkey. And so they've been over here, um, and uh, Jerusalem's over here on the east, the right. Um, they've been going through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening, encouraging all the churches that have been started. They go over to Europe. Um, and now that they're in Europe, they're about, they've been in Philippi, they're about to head out to Thessalonica. In Philippi, they were beaten with rods, um, imprisoned for sharing the gospel, teach, preaching about Jesus. And now they're going to head over to Thessalonica, which is about 94 miles. They're walking to Thessalonica, which is like from here to Lansing. All right? Why? To share the gospel. To, to be obedient to what Jesus told him to do. It's pretty wild. So that's what we begin, chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Pause for a second. Thessalonica, big, major city, metropolitan area, 200,000 people probably. Paul was very strategic. At least his strategy was this, to go to big, mega cities, big cities, where people from all over the world were, so that then he would, you know, a lot of people would be there to hear the message, and then they would take it with them wherever they went. And he would always speak to the Jews first, so he would find a place that had a, a, a Jewish colony with a synagogue, a synagogue being a building where the Jews could come and worship and learn scripture together. So Paul would go to the Jews first, who should have been the most receptive, because they've had the prophecies about the Messiah their whole life. Um, and so they should have, like, oh, this is the Messiah, and said yes to Jesus. But sadly, too often, they said no. And actually, Paul becomes more known as being an apostle to the Gentiles, people who are non-Jewish, because the Gentiles seem to be the one receiving the message more so than the Jews. Here is our big idea for today, and it's going to be helpful for us. Concentrate your efforts on those most receptive. Concentrate your efforts on those most receptive. I've noticed this about human nature, me, anybody, right? We always know what we don't like. <laughs> hey, what do you like? I don't know, but I know what I don't like, and let me tell you. <laughs> we know what we don't like, and we love to tell people, criticize, complain, doesn't matter where it is. And when it comes to evangelism, we're no different, man. Come on, seriously, dude, street preachers, knock it off, right? That's outdated, that's old, it's silly, stop it. Handing out tracts, piece of paper, come on, stop it. Knocking door to door, come on, stop it. Starting a small church in a tiny little town, come on. We know what we don't like. And sometimes what we don't like is all we talk about. I love what uh, D.L. Moody, an evangelist back in the 1800s, this was his response to a lady who kind of criticized his way of doing evangelism. She said, hey, I don't like the way you do evangelism. And he responded to her, he said, listen, I don't like the way I do it either. How do you do it? And she said, well, I don't. <laughs> and so then his response was, well, I like the way I don't do it better than the way, I mean, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. Is that us? Like, we all, we know what we think doesn't work, but we just don't do it. It's become like an excuse. I don't know how to. Well, I'm not going to do that. And so we know, it, we know what we're not going to do, but we just don't do it. Maybe that's us. We're called to go. The early church, there's no doubt about it, they went. And they were no different than us. They were just people who were introduced to Jesus, said yes to Jesus, and then obeyed Jesus by going to tell other people about Jesus. And that should be us. So here's what I want to do. 
Concentrate your efforts on who's most receptive. I'm going to give you a quick pro tip. Who are the people that should be most receptive to you? People you know. Simple as that. People that you know. Not that everybody's going to say yes, but people that you know. Those are going to be the people who would be most receptive to you. So here's your next step that I want to challenge every single one of you to do. So make a reminder on your phone so you don't forget this. Right now, make a reminder on your phone that says, hey, make this list. This week, I want you to make a list. I want you to start writing down every single name that you can think of people that you know. Friends, family, coworkers. If you're in school, classmates, teachers, I don't know, firemen, and you're whoever you meet in the grocery store all the time, the people that you go to sports with or train with or anything, people that you know, the guy that you always see at the grocery store, the lady you always see when you go to the school, I don't write down every single name of people, people that you went to high school with or people that you go to high school with now. Just start writing a list of all the names of people that you know. Just write them down, like 50, 100 people. Write, make a list. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take that list and we're going to go through it and you're going to say, hey, do I know where they stand with Christ? Do I know where they are in their faith? And if you don't know, just say you don't know. If you know confidently that they're a believer, then great, put that whatever. And if you know that confidently they're not, just make that note. And then we're going to start praying over that list. We're going to start praying over it. Really, I'd encourage you to do it daily, but at least a few times a week, right? We're going to start praying over that list and every time we pray over that list, we're going to say, hey, God, please call out a few names. Open up some opportunities. Listen, Paul was strategic about it. They weren't waiting, blaming God for no, not having an opportunity to share the gospel. They went out and did it, and they were strategic. That's the simple way every single one of us can do that. We can do that. You can do this. Make a list and start praying over that list because 11 months from now, we're not gonna look back and say, I didn't do it. 11 months from now, we're gonna look back and say, hey, look what God did because we were strategic, and we started doing our part What's our part? To go share the gospel. And that's exactly what the early church did. So it goes on. He didn't stop with praying. He actually shared the gospel. Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So Paul and Silas, three Sabbath days, spent three weeks with them. Sabbath being the Jewish day of worship, kind of like our Sunday in a sense. Uh, that's, uh, so three Saturdays, he reasoned with them. We know that they stayed longer than just three weeks because of the letters that Paul uh, wrote to the church. Um, you have them in your Bible. They're called First and Second Thessalonians. So they spent, multi- they spent a long time there, uh, quite a while there, sharing the gospel, building, uh, creating, starting a new church, and, um, uh, and just increasing the church. And so here's something that Paul wrote them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, which tells us that his strategy kind of worked. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, that's the region where kind of like the county and state where uh, Thessalonica is, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything for they themselves report concerning us of the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That last sentence, doesn't that sound like the one we just sang? Jesus, the only name I could ever save. He saves us from the wrath to come. Like those words were powerful. If you remember those songs, like I said, like, um, show me who you are, fill me with your heart, lead me. That's us. Okay, if you've seen who Jesus is, if you're a disciple now, I know who he is. He fills you with what you need, and then he leads you to go. That's the formula. It's simple. But we complicate it. His strategy obviously worked because what happened was there were people in the city that heard, that believed, that received, became disciples, and they took that with them wherever they went to, to the rest of the city and to all over the, actually all over the world at the time. They took it all over. Understand, that's exactly what Jesus told Paul, commanded Paul, and all of his other disciples to go make disciples and make disciples. If, if we're serious about our mission to win down the river to Christ here at South Point, seriously, it, it's going to take every single one of us. Think about it. Not all the people in down the river could even fit in this building. We had 10 services. It's going to take every single one of us. You know, there's at least 100,000 people in down the river alone that, that don't have saving faith in Jesus Christ. Millions in the world. Here, here's a question Does that bother you? Does that burden you? Do we ever even think about it? Do we ever pray about it? Consider the eternity of millions of people. Or do we blame God for that? Well, that's God's part. That's God's responsibility. Go save them, God. 
maybe, maybe we each have a part. What if we're not doing a part? We've got to start filling this burden because the early church did. And they knew that they had a part to play. And so they went and they shared this wherever they went. Notice what Paul did. He, he opened up the Hebrew scriptures, which for us is the Old Testament, right? So we call it Old Testament. He opened up scripture and he showed them, look right here. It was Jesus all along, the promised Messiah. You just overlooked it, didn't understand it. Here he is. What, what's the word that he used here to share the gospel? He said he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. Listen, Jesus, the, the gospel about Jesus is not a myth. It's not some, some kind of silly myth. It's historical. It has eyewitness testimonies. He was a human being that lived and had a very public ministry who did very public miracles. He died and rose from the dead. It's a reasonable faith. This isn't just a blind faith where all you have is a bunch of feelings. You can reason. You can have conversations. You can talk to people about it. Are we? Do we talk to people about it? Or do we keep it to ourselves? The early church, there's no doubt about it, they took it everywhere they went. It was working. It was powerful. Here's what I want to do. I want to demystify this real quick. I want to show you what it could look like, okay? Because sometimes we think, I've got to be a Bible scholar. I've got to know all these things. I've got to know every argument on how to debate with people about Christian faith. No, you don't. You just have to first be willing. And you just have to go. You can prepare yourself a little bit, you know, know what the gospel is, but then go tell people. Here, here's what it could look like. I'm just going to give you a real quick snapshot. This is just one way to present, share the gospel. Uh, the four facts of life cards, we have them all over the building. The four facts of life are up on our website. This is just one way to communicate, to describe, to share the gospel with someone. And I want you to say, it's not like, hey, here's a piece of paper. I'm going to walk through the bullet points with you. Boom, be blessed, right? It's not like you have a conversation with somebody. So on, those, on your list that you're going to make this week, think about having a conversation with one of those people. Just have a normal, hey, how you doing? How's the week been? What's your life like? Oh, boom, boom. We'll talk about sports, weather, whatever. And then as part of the conversation, ask something like this. Hey, can you tell me? I've never asked. Can you, what's your spiritual background? Church history, I don't know. Have you ever thought about it? Don't you just, you tell me. Well, let them talk. Ask them questions about themselves. Get to know them a little bit. And then at some point in the conversation, you'll probably know a good point just to say, ask something like this. Hey, would you mind or can I just share a few things that I've been learning from the Bible about Jesus? Ask the question. Ask the question. And then maybe they say no. And if they say no, shove it down their throat, man, okay? I'm kidding. No. If they say no, okay, move on. <laughs> It's not rocket science. If they say no, okay. You'll have another conversation, hopefully another day. You can ask them again. But what you're going to find is often they say yes or sure or whatever. I don't care. You know, they're going to say yes. So in that moment, what I think, I think most of us are scared of that moment. I think we're scared of people actually saying yes, and that's why we don't ask the question. What am I going to say? The good news is that it's already written down for us, the Bible. (laughs) So When you get to that point and someone says yes, something simple like this. What I've been learning in the Bible is this. God doesn't hate me. God's not to get me. He actually loves me. He wants a relationship with me now and forever. And I bet you can agree. I mean, I look around the world, I see a bunch of evil and bad stuff, and I know I've done a bunch of bad stuff. We just do dumb things sometimes. Well, the Bible says that actually when I do my dumb things, it separates me from God. He loves me. But he's holy and it separates me from him, from that relationship that he wants with me. And then what I I found out was that I can't fix it. I can't undo what I've done and I can't do enough good things to overcome it. But on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross, somehow he took the punishment that I deserved. And now God gives his free gift of salvation. It's free, but I have to accept it. And by accepting, that means I have to recognize that Jesus is God's son and ask him for forgiveness because that means I recognize that I've messed up, I've sinned. And I say, I will let you be the leader of my life. I'll follow you and then I'm baptized and then I go make other disciples. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You just say something like that. You can have the card with you or you don't have to have the card with you. 
And then every time you share the gospel, I would just please encourage you, make sure you follow up with a question. Hey, would you like to know more about that? Or are you ready to follow Jesus? What if they say no? <gasps> well, they say no then. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I don't know. They say no. That's not your job. My job is not for you to say yes or no. My job is to tell you the gospel because the truth is a lot of people have never heard the gospel or they've never heard the real gospel. They've heard some wacky thing from other people. Have you told the gospel to anybody? 11 months from now, will we have spoken the gospel to anyone or just assumed that everybody? Millions of people not knowing Jesus, our part is to share the gospel. You can do what I just did. You can do that. You can do that, will you? It's not going to just happen. You're going to have to make a commitment, make a plan. This year, let's do it. We're going to be obedient to Jesus. But Paul, what about his message? It was received, verse 4. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. A couple things here. One, persuaded. Notice once again, it wasn't a lightning bolt from heaven where poof, they just believe. This massive feeling. No, with their minds, they looked at it. They reasoned and said, I believe this. And they made the choice to follow Jesus. Are you waiting for a feeling? Don't wait for a feeling. And don't do it because, I, don't do it because I'm saying it. We don't want you to believe something because we're saying it. We want you to go reason. Go look in Scripture. Go read the Gospel accounts this week, this month. About what Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. Go see it for yourself. Question, examine it. And then I just encourage you or challenge you to at least make a decision based upon what you know now, even if it's different than what you thought before. And the question to ask is this, have you, have you received Christ as your Lord? Are you saved, you know? Have you said yes to Jesus? Some of us maybe have just been going to church for a long time. I don't know. You need to ask that question for yourself. Have you said yes to Jesus? I mean, have you repented of your sin? Have you said, I'm sorry for being a sinner, and I'm asking Jesus to forgive me because I need a Savior? Have you been baptized, immersed in water, into Christ, so that he can forgive you of your sin, place Holy Spirit in you? Have you done that? Have you joined a church, like become a member of a local church so that you can be a part of the body to serve with others? Don't wait for a feeling. Act on what you know to be true. That's what the early believers did. That's what the Christian, early Christians did. That's what the church did, so we should be like that. Notice also that he said a great many, great many number uh, believed, especially the Gentiles, the Greeks, and then also not just a few leading women. So like the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for the those that are, you know, sad or poor or the, the least of these in the world. It's also for the prominent ones. It's for everybody. Everybody needs Jesus. It's the same solution for everybody. So there's not a single person on the face of this planet that doesn't need Jesus. That's good news for us because that means there's a lot of people that we can talk to about this. Notice also that means by a great many believing also means that some didn't believe. Our part is not to save. We sang the song earlier. Jesus is the only name that can save. Not Mark Essick. <laughs> Insert your name in there. But Mark Essick can go share the gospel so that this person can make a decision to follow Jesus or not. Now let's get to the opposition, because there was some. Acts chapter 17, verse 5. But the Jews were jealous, taking some of uh, wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob, set the city up in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, Paul was hoping that the Jews would be jealous, but because they saw so many Gentiles believing in Jesus, he thought that maybe they'd be jealous enough to say, no way, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. But it actually turned into an evil jealousy where they were jealous that people were listening to Paul and Silas not listening to them. And so they get some people from the rabble, loafers in the city square, people that like to stir up trouble. Know anybody that just likes to stir up trouble? Yeah right? Like a mob, right? We know a little bit more about some mobs. Sometimes not every mob is intended to be good. Some are just stirring up trouble. And again, you don't have to have a physical mob, right? We have online, don't we, today? People, we just love to stir up trouble sometimes. People just love to stir up trouble. There's nothing new. And that's going to happen to you sometimes. Sometimes people are just going to stir up trouble. Same thing happens to Paul. They went to find Paul and Silas. They didn't, so they just took Jason and some of the other Christians who were housing them, and they take them, and they're going to, you know, prosecute them saying that they're uh, housing these traitors. Why were they traitors? Because they were teaching that there is a king other than Caesar. That's what was happening. And honestly, I cannot say that I have experienced that kind of persecution. 
I mean, not here in this country, but to this point at least. We don't, but today, all over the world, there are Christians who do. They are taken from their homes. Their homes are destroyed. They're beaten, tortured, um, accused of stirring up trouble, of uproar. Lives are gone. They're killed because of Jesus, because of their faith in Jesus. That happens today, all over the world. We've got to support missions. We've got to support the church all over the world. And we've got to be mindful of it so that we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Surely we can put up with a little persecution. People making fun of us. Not being the most favorite in the office or in the class. Surely we can. That song that we sang earlier, is he really worthy of everything? I get it. Sometimes you're in the moment and you're around a bunch of people and it's, you know, you just don't. But is he really worthy of everything? If he is, then in that moment, he's worthy of me, man, saying his name and just telling people about the gospel. What they do with it is what they do with it, but I'm going to lovingly share the gospel because that's what we were called to do, and that's what the early church did. And to be honest with you, the thing is they're not entirely wrong because they were saying something somewhat subversive that there is a king other than Caesar. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. It's not a political threat. It wasn't a political thing, but we are looking to turn the world upside down. Understand, you know, the world looks more upside down every day, doesn't it? There's all kinds of evil and just, man, there's some stuff we're struggling with. Let's just be honest. And we're trying to find hope and peace and love. We don't know how to love each other. And so we look towards each other. We look towards law. We look towards legislation. We look towards all kinds of things. But the only thing that can really truly bring hope, love, peace is Jesus. It's a gospel. And it does turn the world upside down or right side up, however you want to look at it. When people say yes to Jesus, lives change, communities change. So we want the world to know about Jesus. How do we accomplish that? Well, when each one of us shares the gospel... And when we support those in other parts of the world so they can share the gospel. Understand, Paul was a tent maker. So he was doing all of these things, but he was also had a side hustle, a job where he was making tents to make money to support himself. He was also receiving um, offerings from another church, uh, like in Philippi. They were sending him offerings to help him support the mission that he does because the Thessalonians couldn't support him at this point. That's why we support missionaries. Because there's lots of missionaries, people in other parts of the world where the church can't support them financially, so we send funds to them so they can be supported. So God's word all over the world can be heard. We gotta support not just the local church, but the worldwide church. And we gotta share it. Here's something that I think sometimes we struggle with. The early church, I'm sure that they did, but they overcame that fear or that belief because do you think the gospel is true? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's true. But what I mean by that is, do you believe the gospel is truth? Or is it a personal thing that makes us feel better when we have a personal crisis? It makes me feel better. It helps me when I need something. That's personal. And of course, if it's something personal, then guess what? You don't share it with other people because what's personal to you isn't personal to them, and so they might not want it or need it or care about it, or it might not be true to them. And so uh, it's just a personal thing. We don't talk about it, we don't share, and it's surely not something to talk about when people are going to make fun of me about it. But, but is it truth? This matters. Because if it's truth, then it seems pretty cruel not to share it. If it's truth, then it's something everybody needs. And Jesus told me to do it. So where are you? Is it just a, you think the gospel is just a personal thing? Or is it truth? It's truth. That's what it claims to be. It's truth. And that's why it matters, because everybody needs to hear the truth. You can make your decision with it, but everybody needs to hear the truth. Verse 8, the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason, like a bond, right? They gave him like money to get him out of prison in a sense. And they said, hey, we won't mess with you anymore. And they let him go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Hey, sometimes missionaries got to leave to fight another day, to evangelize another day. The only option isn't just to die as a martyr. Sometimes people do. Sometimes you walk away so that you can share your faith with other people that are more receptive. How's that practical for us? What about when it gets heated? You have a conversation with someone and it doesn't go the way you thought and they're getting angry or it's getting kind of volatile. Walk away. Not walk away from the person. Not walk away from praying for them. Just walk away from the moment. 
because probably you're going to do more harm than good in that moment. Walk away. Your job is not to save. So why are you keep, you know, are you trying to save somebody? Are you trying to prove a point? Or did you share the gospel? They're not receptive right now, and you walk away. You lovingly walk away and continue to pray for them. It's kind of like when Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town, shake the dust off your feet. Sometimes it's not today because you're not the Savior, you're the messenger. So just share the message. But now, honestly, I want you to be honest because I want you to give yourself an escape here. If you were a jerk when you presented it and you got hot when you shouldn't have, then you need to go back and apologize. Sometimes it's your fault, or at least partly your fault, to make it heated. Now, sometimes it's the other person. It's probably 50-50 or 40. Who knows? But go back. If you caused it to get heated a little bit, or if you got heated and got a little angry, then go back and apologize. I'm sorry. That's what we do, because we obey Jesus. And my personal feelings, getting hurt, or going back and being humiliated by saying I'm sorry, man, Jesus is worthy, right? So go to the other person and just say that. Or and then don't stop. Don't stop. If the person says no, okay, well, maybe you, you move on to someone else. And that's what Paul and Silas do. They go 50 miles to Berea. So they didn't stop. They just went to Berea, another place to start sharing the gospel. Verse 11, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. These Bereans were a little bit more open. They were like eager to hear and then go into the scripture to examine if this is true. That's a great example. That's what we should do. Listen, don't believe anything just because I say it. You should or anybody. Preachers online or books or articles that you read, open up scripture and examine it. Does it match scripture? Compare it with scripture. That's what they did. That's a beautiful example. Listen, do you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, get one. Or get a Bible app and open it up. Listen, make a commitment to have a daily encounter time this year. You open up the Bible, you read it, ask some questions of it, and then you pray. Are we doing that? Listen, it's not God's job to grow you. He's done his part, man. He continues. If you're not going to open, if I'm not going to open it up, if I'm not even going to look, then that's on me. That's not on him. It's on me. Our part is to just open it up and look. I get it. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's hard to understand sometimes. That's okay. My part is just to open it up and be obedient and to read it, ask questions of it, and then to pray. If you don't have a good, like a study Bible, we recommend NIV, ESV study Bibles. Get one of those. They're pretty common. You get them online. If you have a friend that doesn't have one, get one for them. And then open it up and start reading it. There's so many resources that we have nowadays. Online books and videos. There's a great website called gotquestions.org. You can ask all kinds of questions or questions that have already been asked. You're going to get great information. Listen, it's great stuff. I don't agree with everything that's on there, but it's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of great resources. Are we eager to learn like the Bereans? I don't forget, I was in my, after my grandparents died, Paul Paul is my, my mom's dad, so we, Paul Paul, and uh, we, I was in his house, Nanny and Paul Paul, and up, upstairs there is this a bookcase in this, anyways, there's these books, this series of like books, and they were like through the, uh, Genesis through Revelations, a Bible study. I, I knew that my, 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 Paul Paul was a Christian, and he was a godly man, and he knew the Bible, man, he knew the Bible. And my Uncle Budge, his name is Roger, but we call him Budge, Uncle Budge, they knew the Bible, man. They never once went to a Christian college. They never once were any kind of like ministry of any kind. They just knew God's word. I saw this series of books. I mean, thousands of pages between all of them. And all of them had questions. They had gone through the Bible, I don't know how many times, studying it, learning. I thought, man, I am am ridiculously spoiled rotten to have people like that in my, my heritage. Do you study the Bible? Listen, you, you read it for a month, you're like, I'm not gonna, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pick up anything. That's okay, I get it. And a month from now, you may not. But imagine consistently studying the Bible for 10 to 20 years. Holy cow. Imagine what you would learn, how your faith would be strengthened. Imagine that. That's what we need to be eager about studying God's word. Remember, show me who you are, fill me, he's gonna give me what I need, and then lead me to go. That's my part to go. 
Are we going to open up his word? That's part of our commitment. That's part of your next step this year. Make a plan to open up God's word, study, and pray. When the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul, uh, at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. They literally walked 50 miles to give Paul some more trouble. That's hardcore. <laughs> Nowadays, you don't have to walk anywhere. You can just from your home, right? Just type, and you can mess with people online all the time. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. A couple things here. One, that yes, they walked. You're going to get persecuted. Or we call it persecution. People are going to say no to you. People may not agree with you. People may not say that nicely to you. It's okay. It happened. It will happen. Pray for them. Continue to pray for them. And ask God to continue to work on their conscience. What, what you say, God and the Holy Spirit will continue to use when they're not thinking about it, when they're asleep, when they're at work. Here's the deal. Don't say no for other people. Remember those people on your list? I know some of you are going to be like, oh, not that person. I'm not even going to put them on the list because not that person, not her, not him. They'll never, right? Don't say no for people. You never know who's eager to hear the good news that you have. The Bereans were. So don't say no to people. Go share the gospel. Next week, Paul, he, goes, he's up, he ends up in Athens, right? So he keeps sharing the gospel. He's in Athens. Athens has a very pagan culture, very different, and so he changes his approach a little bit to adapt to his audience. That's going to be next week. So come back so you can hear next week when we'll continue in Acts chapter 17. Today, our big idea, once again, is concentrate your efforts on those most receptive. Here's what we're going to do in a few moments. Um, each year we do this, uh, we want to celebrate what God has been doing through the missions that you have, we have been supporting together as a church, uh, the organizations that go all over the world to share the gospel outside of Down River, well, Down River and all over the world. Uh, so we break up our missions into three main categories. The first one is church planning, and we're going to talk about two of our church planning organizations here in a few moments. Um, this is where we believe uh, the best way to reach new people is to start new churches, and we want to see and pray for more and more pioneering people who will start new work in new areas. Maybe some of you will be called to go some places, but then also we want to support those that are already are doing that. Uh, the second one, next week we'll talk more about our Compassion Outreach. These are ministries, organizations that serve physical, material needs that people have with the hopes of pointing them towards Jesus Christ and having those spiritual conversations. Um, and then the third one is Global Evangelism. We'll talk about that in two weeks. Those are all the other kind of missions um, that help people share the good news of Jesus. IDES is one of them that you'll hear about in a moment. So anyways, um, this today we're talking about our new church planning uh, missions. The first one is New Churches of Christ Evangelism. When South Point was you know, just, just coming a church. Uh, we were supported partially from NCCE, and for 30 years, from day one, we've been supporting this organization. They've been faithfully serving this region, um, doing a lot of great work. Here's a video from Matt Schantz, their director. I'm going to give you a report. Hello, South Point Church. Uh, this is Matt Schantz with New Churches of Christ Evangelism. We're one of the missions that you have supported for many years. Uh, helping to plant new churches uh, around the state of Michigan, patterned after the New Testament. And uh, I want to thank you for your partnership. It's been such a blessing. We've been able to play, plant several uh, church communities around the state of Michigan. And one of those that we're helping to launch right now is in a place called Beaverton. It's called Christ Church at Beaverton. And the lead planter is with me here on the Zoom call. Uh, his name is Todd Petty. And so welcome, Todd. Good to see you. Thank you, Matt. It's so good to be here. Thank you, South Point, for your support. We couldn't be doing what we're doing for the Lord without your faithful service. Yeah. Tell us how you got the church launched up there in Beaverton. Well, on May 19th, 2020, uh, two dams broke north of Midland uh, at the Sanford Lake and the Wixom Lake. And uh, our church decided to go up that next week and start doing some flood relief. We ended up partnering with the International Disaster Emergency Service and building uh, 20 sheds for some of the recipients. And in that process, we developed relationships with many of the homeowners who were not connected with the church. And they asked us if we could uh, start meeting. So we've been meeting in homes, uh, in pole barns, garages, wherever we can meet uh, for the last year and a half. That's amazing. You told me one time after you met for a while, you asked some of the homeowners if you had if you had come and knocked on their door, would they be open to having a Bible study or church service? And they said, what'd they say? 
No, they said absolutely not. If we'd come on May 17th, they would have never even been interested, but uh, they've, they've been coming now ever since. So Yeah, so being there in their time of crisis and, and meeting those needs, they were open to a relationship, and that's just that's just really neat. Share with us this one story that we could uh, hear about and pray for you regarding, Todd. Yeah, back in uh, late September, Aaron, the associate up there with me, we were walking downtown Beaverton on a prayer walk, and we came across the uh, Beaverton Dairy Bar and Grill, met Denny and Angie that own that wonderful couple. And we've just been coming alongside praying for them. And yesterday, while we were up there, we started a Discovery Bible study in the Beaverton Dairy Bar. And Denny and I were, were talking and uh, he's probably not been in a lot of Bible studies in his life. And he was sharing <laughs> about taking life one day at a time and uh, just trying to you know figure out what that looked like. And I, I shared with him Matthew 6:34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And and when I read that, he said, But that's in the Bible? I didn't know that. I said, Well, yeah, Jesus said that. He said, Jesus said that. I had no idea that kind of stuff was in the Bible. And so it gave us a great platform to talk. At the end of our study, he said, what was that verse again? Because I want to I want to write that down so I can share it with my wife. She'll be so amazed that that's in God's word. And just to see him opening up and interested to hear God's word is amazing. So uh, South Point, if you would pray for the work we're doing with people like Danny and Angie and the others that gather on Sunday night and those that we're still walking with through recovery, uh, so appreciate the support you give. Wonderful. Thank you, Todd, for the work you're doing. And thank you, South Point. Uh, blessings to you. Take care. The other church planning organization is called Impact Canada, which starts churches in really unreached and, 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 and difficult uh, areas and regions. And here's a video from uh, Jim Toon, their director. Hey, hello, South Point Church. Greetings from your uh, brother from north of the border. My name is Jim Toon, and I direct a ministry called uh, Impact Canada, uh, Impact Ministry Group, also working outside of Canada in Europe and uh, particularly in Belarus. But I wanted to give you a quick update for your uh, month of missions emphasis and begin by thanking you. Uh, back in August, I had a meeting with, uh, with Brett and, and Trent and I explained to them that uh, our finances were such at the mission that uh, things have been tight and we'd had to make significant cuts to payroll and consequently uh, my wife Claudia who works uh, for the mission full-time has been off payroll uh, since July and, and she continues to, to do that. As always uh, God provides and we're trusting him to continue to provide but as I shared our situation uh, with your leadership uh, in, in very quick order they turned around and uh, sent a special gift uh, on behalf of the congregation and so on behalf of my wife and I and uh, our ministry thank you very much for your generosity it was really it was really great uh, to know that uh, somebody had our backs and uh, was willing to act so promptly to meet a need so good on you and thank God for you uh, just a couple of quick things then there's a lot going on but I, I need to keep this pretty concise. Pray uh, for a new church plant in Burlington, Ontario. The launch date is scheduled for September 18th, 2022. So it, it's coming up fast. And uh, technically it's a, it's a relaunch. There are, there, there's a core from a previous plant that are providing sort of the nucleus or the launch team for this. But in all other respects, it's a brand new project, brand new vision, brand new church. And uh, we're working hard now to uh, assemble a good launch team, draw some people together, have home groups, train and equip, and be ready for, uh, God willing, a great launch in uh, September of 2022. Uh, so uh, please pray about that, and we thank you in advance for any help uh, you're able to provide uh, in that. Burlington, uh, the city where we're planting, is uh, just west of Toronto. It's a suburb with about 200,000 people. It's uh, ethnically and culturally diverse and highly, highly unchurched. And uh, yeah, when, when I say that uh, about Canada, um, most of Canada is highly unchurched, but this is a region, uh, the greater Toronto area, that, that has a, a very pressing need 
for new churches to be planted. And so uh, the last time my wife and I actually planted a church as, as the lead team was uh, over 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised, but also thrilled that uh, we get to do it again. And so uh, please pray for us as we prepare for uh, the launch of that new church. We're still doing fundraising and we're still doing team building in preparation for that day. Um, the other item, I guess uh, I should bring your attention back to our work in Belarus for a moment. Uh, if you've paid attention to the international news, uh, Belarus is the last Soviet style communist dictatorship in Eastern Europe. And their president, Lukashenko, uh, was re-elected in a fraudulent election and crackdowns were brought to bear on the population. There were major protests. And uh, he's also very hostile to uh, evangelical churches. And so the churches there have been under great pressure. Uh, friends of mine have actually been arrested um, without cause and uh, subsequently freed, but it's a difficult environment over there right now. One of the bright points for us is that we started a uh, training and equipping center just outside of Minsk about six years ago with a property our network of churches uh, were able to obtain that has some existing buildings on it. Uh, but our intention there is to create uh, indigenous disciple making in, in that country. Uh, through this center. It's also uh, being built in such a way as to facilitate camps, retreats, schools, and such. So uh, we finished our phase one work on that, and very recently Voice of the Martyrs uh, uh, entered into a, a new partnership with us and are co-funding the second phase of the training and equipping center in Voluk, Belarus. So two very strategic things for us in the immediate future. Uh, the churches and uh, the training and equipping center in Belarus. And of course, uh, near to my heart is our new church plant launching in September in Burlington, Ontario. So thank you so much for uh, your support. We're cheering for you uh, all the time, praying for you. Uh, we pray for the United States of America daily. And uh, we're blessed to be in partnership with you. Thank you very much. Cool. Exciting things happen. Thank you for your support. Um, it's good to see what God's doing all over the world. Again, like, man, we got to start making this more of like a daily thing that we remember. <laughs> we're not the only people in the world. So this month, uh, we're celebrating, we're going to do a celebration of generosity at the end of the month where between February 21st and 27th, every dollar, every dime that comes in that week is going to go towards these missions and the others that we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Um, so I'm in, I'm, I want to ask you to consider, to prayerfully be uh, ready, planned, prepared for that, so that maybe that would even be more than what you normally give on a regular basis, maybe even double or triple. I'd love to see this be the biggest missions budget we ever have. That's our missions budget for the year. What we bring in is what we're going to disperse to all these different organizations and others. If, they, if you're new around here, listen, don't feel obligated to give at all, but I just want to let you know, kind of reiterate, like, this is going to other parts of the world, and so um, consider. And for all of us that call either South Point Home or Christians and you've been given, please consider. Be prayerfully thinking about, we've got to support missions. We've got to support missionaries. And we've got to be missionaries ourselves because that's what God called us to do. We've got to be obedient. 11 months from now is going to come, man. 2022 will end. And at the end of 2022, what are you going to see when you look back? What are you planning? You've got all kinds of things you're planning, but what are you planning for your faith and what are you planning? How are you planning to share your faith with others? You can do this. God's already shown you who he is. He's given you what you need, and he's leading you, right? So now go. So make your list this week. Write down those names, 50 to 100 people of all the names. And then all year long, we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to pray. We're going to have that encounter time on a daily basis. We're going to pray over that list. We're going to ask God to kind of put those names in my head. And then we're going to go have those spiritual conversations with people. Strike up a conversation and then share the gospel. See what happens. Listen, I went four years of high school. I was a Christian. Never once did I share the gospel with a single person. Now I'm 185,000 years old and I'm contacting everybody from high school that I went with to strike up conversations because I never told them the gospel. Don't be like me. Don't be stubborn, selfish. Share the gospel now. 
You've got the opportunity now, and you've been commanded to. Let's go. Let's share the world. Share, with the, share the gospel with the world. Eternity is on the line here, man. This is heaven and hell kind of stuff. This is important. Let's do our part. Jesus is the only name that can save, and we can sure share his name with everybody. Maybe today's your first step. Maybe your next step is to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Say, I want to be one of those disciples. I want to say yes to Jesus and start following him. If that's you, please text us. Email us your name and information. I'll be on the screen. Or here in a moment when we have a song, you can come up to the front, meet one of my friends. We can help you make that decision. Even get you ready for baptism. Um, man, we want to help you, whatever that you know, next step may be. Maybe you're a, a Christian and you've already been uh, you, you know Jesus, but maybe your next step is to give financially or gener- you know, generously. Uh, you can give in the mail. You can give online or app or website, or you can give in those boxes in the back when you leave. Again, if you're new around here, then don't worry about that. But if you're Christian, then maybe that's the next step for you. Would you consider being generous to the cause of Christ because he wants more people to know about Jesus? And I'm excited to tell you three more people last week said yes to Jesus and were baptized. So many will reject. Many will accept. You know, keep sharing the gospel. Now here's another opportunity for Christian. Have this time of communion. When you come in each week, you can grab those cups at the doors, um, and then you're going to peel back those two covers. Pro tip, <laughs> open the bread first. Um, and then in the moment, you can kind of eat the bread and the juice that represents Jesus' body and blood that was shed on the cross for us, that sacrifice, that bridge that brings us back to that relationship with Christ. And so if you're not a believer, then right now take this time just to reflect quietly. If you are a Christian, then I pray that we and remember what he did. We repent for anything we need to repent for. Say, I'm sorry. And I pray that we commit once again. I'm going to be more obedient to you this week, Jesus. That's the greatest thing that we can do. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for loving us. Thank you for Jesus that shows us exactly who you are. Thank you for your word that tells us who you are and that lets us know the truth. And so our prayer, my prayer is simple, man, that we would, and we would trust you more. You didn't give us something that we can build our Sundays around. You gave us something that we can build our lives around. So I pray that we do that, that we make plans to commit to you the greatest thing we can do this year for our family, for our spouse, for our kids, for our friends, for the world, is to say yes to you more often. So I pray that we leave here more committed to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.